Hello everyone, welcome back to another Fireside Chat. This is our Fireside Chat 54. Uh, so if you are new to this channel, you're new to this Fireside Chats, just a reminder, uh, we we are the founders of, uh, myself and Mesh are the founders of uh, Codurans, Jose is our managing director uh, for Codurans Spain. And we normally like, we used to have those chats, just the three of us, after working hours, having a drink and talking about what's happening in the industry, talking about software craftsmanship and many other things. And, and we always enjoyed those chats and we found that uh, maybe it would be useful if we started recording them. So we started recording them a while back. Uh, for our surprise, people seem to like it. And then we decided to, to keep going. So if you are new to this channel, so don't forget to subscribe, uh, hit the, the thumbs up so we are notified. We are normally live every Tuesday night. Uh, so so yeah, so so that's how, how it starts. Normally we don't plan much. We just pick a topic and we just come in and, and, and discuss that topic. So a lot of opinions that we have are, we are formulating as we discussed, so don't expect anything uh, fully formed. Uh, so for people on LinkedIn, uh, if you'd like to, to join the discussion, uh, on YouTube, we have the live chat. So it's much easier for us to talk to you if you're coming through the YouTube link, uh, but you, everyone is very welcome. So the topic that we picked for today is software engineering and craftsmanship, what's the fuss? The inspiration for this talk, uh, for this chat, was uh, a talk that Dave Farley uh, gave re recently. It seems that it's a node talk, but he, he gave it a new version of it uh, last year that talks about uh, taking back software engineering and that software craftsmanship is not sufficient. And we watched the talk and, and we felt that it was like a quite well balanced. The, the, the title is very clickbaity, right? So I think that uh, he tried to create a di dichotomy in there. But during the talk, we felt that he was uh, quite respectful, at least in this version of the talk. I don't know the, the previous ones uh, to craftsmanship. Uh, but then we would like to talk about like, is this a dichotomy? Like, do do we need a new term or, or is which term is correct? Is it even important for us to to talk about that? And so, so yeah, guys, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, uh, so I can, so initially when, when it is craftsmanship insufficient, I think a while back I did actually talk, uh, saw another one that was a bit more critical of at least how Dave saw his own, uh, he how he prescribed to that, mindset and so on uh, but that was a while back and but this particular one as you said there's not a lot of mention of craftsmanship in itself it uh, there's only a small one but kind of saying that it's insufficient and we should talk more about engineering and so on so my personal take is that i i don't think a software craftsmanship in any way if it excludes other ways and perspectives on on what software development is, you know, you got software development, you got software engineering, you got software craftsmanship. People even talk about software, you know, as a you know gardening and research discipline and science discipline and so on. And as far as I'm concerned, they are different perspectives, and they all bring something to to this as. Certain perspectives, you know, you uh, individuals prescribe more to, they resonate more to them, and it helps them think about 
uh, what they do in a in a way that actually resonates with them. And so they, you know, they would identify themselves as that title or as that perspective. But that doesn't invalidate any other perspective, right? And what I felt, I mean, we do, probably don't want to talk a lot about the, the Dave Farley's talk, but the nuance that he actually goes into in like one of the things that he says is that there are many types of software engine. Uh, then there are many types of engineering. Well, there are many types of craftsmanship as well. And the nuance with which he treats engineering, we also treat craftsmanship in very much the same nuances. And all, a lot of the things that he talks about, of course, there are elements that he talks about engineering that are not in the craft discipline. But there are a lot of things that he talks about that are. Even the things like he will talk about incremental and um, uh, iterative. iterative and incremental. Of course, in, in, in craft as well, you have the iterative and the incremental. Craft actually puts a lot more focus on personal skill, professional development, professional mindset, and so on, which you can say that um, uh, engineering does as well. And many people, in fact, some of the most well-regarded uh, kind of social commentary and and uh, people like Rich, uh, Richard Sennett and so on, who wrote the book, The Craftsman, by the way, he actually refers to, sees even engineering through the prism or through the perspective of craft. It's not the only perspective, but there are many perspectives to it. So I personally think that the whole idea or the creating this dichotomy I, is, is not actually helpful. It's fine to say that there is one thing and you look at these things and it gives you this kind of value. And then we look at it from this point and it gives us this other value as well as a, lo a lot of overlap and so on. And I think that's a much better uh, conversation than, than to kind of discard one for the other to, and to create this, these dichotomies. Although they probably create more clicks and, and I don't know, have bigger attendance to talks and so on. And so it's not as, as good in terms of marketing, but it's, it's more fair, I would say. What, what do you think for that? <laughs> I, I agree with, with what um, I said. I think he also mentions a, a couple of things, right? Like he mentions economies of scale, no, and repeatability and all this stuff. But then immediately goes into a, you know, we don't build the same software every time and so on and, and so forth, right? So my takeaway from that talk is if you want to build software, let's say, effectively, independently of how you choose to call yourself or what, you know, what kind of paradigm you subscribe to, no? Uh, you should look at, you know, building things incrementally, feedback, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like kind of like the, the what he proposes, no, that that uh, you should be looking at. And, and I think there is value in all of those things. But I do believe that, you know, he poses a question at some point, something along the lines of, uh, if you have an iPhone, no, would you have to, would you like to have like a craft iPhone or a, a mass-produced uh, iPhone? Right. And and he answers that it's a bit of a rhetorical. He answered, no, you want the mass produced one. Well, do I? 
No, he's yeah, like, he mentioned no, 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 that is uh, made specifically for me and my context and what I do. No, he, yeah, he said he want you wanted to... the well-engineered one, not no, the well engineered. Well, but he was yeah. talking about you know mass production and you know that like yeah. treating it as you know a, a you know. A, no, uh, kind of, sorry, no, sorry, Jose. I, I think I have to disagree a bit there because he, in that particular case, he talks about, yeah, he says you want a crafted one or an engineered one. And, you know, that's just a loaded terms. But actually what he means, and I, at that time I thought, no, like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. cra uh, software development is not mass production because I, I thought it at that time. But later on, he does say that, you know, is is talking about the design, like engineering, design engineering, and not production engineering. And non-production engineering. Yeah. 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 Okay. And he, but he mentions it uh, uh, in the context is, of the iPhone is, as well. Yes, but, but that's also kind of a fallacy because you don't just build ideas and they magically uh, appear. You know what I mean? Like, you, yes, you design and then you need to put, put it to work. A lot of things look good on paper and when you actually sit down and, and do them, they, they're not that great. Or the execution is, is bad. Right. So I, I still feel like that's kind of like a trick uh, kind of question. And and to the other uh, aspect of whether you uh, have things in engineering that you don't have in craftsmanship and so on. I think the, the whole idea of craftsmanship came to supplement software engineering as we knew it at, at the moment. Right. Like precisely some of these uh, ideas from economies of scale where people lose perspective of the whole, right, or that systemic kind of uh, view, I think is one of those concepts that craftsmanship have tried to to bring back, you know, into the practice, that understanding from beginning to end of the whole software-making process, independently of what it is that you're building, you know, and that uh, that sense not only of, of uh, you said it uh, before, like the skill building and the professional, that's that's there, but it's also about understanding how everything fits together and and taking ownership of the of the outcome as a whole. And those things are still, you know, missing. They're not taught in the university yeah. when you go and study software engineering. You you study a lot of the uh, design that he mentioned, right? You study a lot of uh, the technologies and some of the specific problems that you may need to to solve and so on and and the solutions to those. But that aspect is still lacking, right? So again, I I don't necessarily I I think it's quite clickbaity, <laughs> you know. It's it's a, it was meant to be uh, polarizing, so to speak, without actually going into it, right? Like it was just in the title, and then we all agree with the things that he said. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, you should. Uh, yes, of course. No, you should. Uh, yes, of course, you should do that. No, but it's still. Kind of artificially, uh, from my perspective, artificially inflated, no? maybe yeah. the, the um, conflict, so to speak. No? Yeah. So uh, uh, just before I go, like there is like uh, there are a few people in uh, on LinkedIn. I can see Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Uh, hi, Marius. Uh, so it's easier for us to interact with you, at least on our chat, if you come to our uh, live uh, chat on YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com forward slash codurants you see the live video in there. It will be easier for us uh, sometimes. Uh, we can address your questions uh, verbally, but we can also write it, uh, some some uh, answers there as well. So if you want to jump, uh, it would be great. Uh, so the as you said, like uh, 
I think that the talk itself, if he had just removed the title, because what, what happened for people uh, watching us, like most of you know, like we are very into software craftsmanship and stuff. So as soon as the talk went out, we had quite a lot of people from outside our company and inside our company sending links to us. Hey, have you seen these and so on? What what do you think? And that's why we decided to discuss this. And I, I there is, there is a, a, an element, uh, I, I, to be fair, I'm a bit tired of all these discussions, to be fair. So because like we've been discussing that for so long, right? So the I, I think that what people need to, to, to re remember is that the software craftsmanship emerged for a reason, right? So so there is a software craftsmanship movement and the, the, the mindset. And, and we need to remember the history so for us to have a better uh, discussion, right? So the software craftsmanship came as a reaction to where Agile was going. Agile was going in a direction that is focused on process, left the engineering behind, mainly the extreme programming, and that triggered the software craftsmanship movement. And the software craftsmanship movement, what added to the engineering practices, the focus on quality and so on, was the, the professionalism. And that's where the mindset came in, right? The mindset of being a software craftsperson. So, so then it really depends when you try to create those dichotomies. We need to understand, is it really a dichotomy or is it a false dichotomy? Because like when you talk about software craftsmanship, for me, it's almost like talking about agile. Uh, Agile is not Scrum, software craftsmanship is not clean code, or extreme programming, or TDD. Those things are very different. Are we talking about a specific methodology? Are we talking about a specific practice? Are we talking about a mindset, a movement? What, what are we referring to when we say software craftsmanship? And even the software engineering, I think that uh, resonates something that you were saying, Jose. Like when that term was coined, probably in this, uh, 1968 in the NATO conference, although some people said it was even before, uh, the, 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 the thinking of uh, software engineering and that focus on engineering is what led to Waterfall later on as well, to that very strict process, mass production and stuff like that. And, and I agree with what Jose was saying, that the, the software craftsmanship so like we are building bespoke thing. We're not just creating mass production stuff. And the craftsmanship brought that bespoke element. And so, so I think that uh, although I like the talk, I don't think that he was disrespectful by any stretch of imagination. I, I just felt that he those things are not in, in uh, conflict. Not in conflict at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I told. Uh, I think it'll be good for us to go a bit more into because uh, a lot of the time people find, especially people who are not familiar with or intimately familiar with what the craftsmanship, especially the mindset, is about. And and by the way, like history is important to understand where you come from and everything else. But for us, the the true value of software craftsmanship is the mindset, yeah. right? And I think it'll be good for us to go a bit more into it and and the uh, the other side is that it is a lot of the times like you know we'd refer to us as software cross people and so on and some people would talk, say well you know it's an elitist thing or a lot of th there are a lot of straw man arguments or certain simplifications about what the movement was about and also what the mindset is about and a lot of the people think 
that it is a, a elitist thing. Well, far from it, actually, for, for us at least in the UK, and we've been with that movement for the past 14, 13, 14 years and helping create communities and so on. It's about learning. It's about community. It's about having a professional mindset. It's about, as, as Jose was talking about, creating that holistic view of software. A lot of times people think, oh, it's just about code and you're just kind of feeling about quality code. It could not be the, the you know, more wrong. It's about this holistic idea. It's about understanding the value behind it. It's about seeing all the different rules, roles in creation of software and respecting all of them as equal parts of the, uh, a whole. And that's why we align so well with things like XP and so on, because it talks about the whole team, talks about great values and principles, talks about respect. These are the things that we talk about. And, and these whole kind of things around, you know, because we say that software is a craft that is no longer, we're saying that it's not engineering. No, we don't. In fact, seeing things from one perspective does not negate other perspectives. This is not a religion. Yeah. I think that this is a, a, a cool uh, thing for people to understand because, like, um, the, 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 the mindset is quite, encompasses a lot of things, right? So there is a big uh, element on, on the craft. There is. That, that was in the name and that was an element of, of doing things well. But doing things well uh, doesn't mean just to work on the, keep polishing the name of a variable or a small method. So the software craftsmanship in, in like, is like we want well-crafted software. It's not about a unit test or, or just the, the, the small thing. It's well-crafted software as a whole. It's the whole thing. Thinking all the, the different aspects, but there are far more to that, as Mesh was saying. That is the, the community aspect and the learning. It's part of the, the initial ideas. People might like or might not like the manifesto, but but it gives us at least a direction. For example, a great part was community of professionals, was creating that community of professionals that we learn from each other, we share ideas, we try not to repeat the same mistakes, we prepare the next generation moving forward. So there is the, the steadily adding value. It's part of the manifesto. That is like for us to say, look, we should always be adding. So that, that in, in, it's in there, like about the incremental, iterative, always adding value to who? To whoever is paying, to our clients. So, so that is the element of professionalism, to continuously adding value, right? So, so th those things, are, are they were always at the core. And even when we look at the, the elements that he mentioned during the talk to define the principles from the engineering, all of them are applicable. All of them. Right? So when he said uh, iterative, incremental, feedback, uh, what, what else I have uh, noted here? Uh, iterative, feedback, incremental, experimental, and empirical. Right? So the empirical is the one that you might say, you know what, this is we talk far more that in improper engineering than in craftsmanship itself, but that doesn't exclude, right? So that I could say like, okay, it was not part of the main focus. Uh, but, but, but this is the thing for me, like uh, that's the mindset. It is, it's, it's not in conflict of, as Mesh said, like of all those different views and perspectives that are also quite important. Um, 
what else do we have any any questions uh so let let me see what what we have in there uh herman uh, says you guys have done an, an immense work of love by sharing and living the craftsmanship mindset for all those years you don't see the the same in our communities thank you herman Yes, yeah, so, so I think that not, not only us, but you as well uh, in Chile and, and, and many others, right? So there are communities uh, around the, the, the world talking about craftsmanship, and, 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 and I agree. Like, I think that the software craftsmanship community has been so inclusive and embracing anyone. If you are, like, in tech, if you are involved with software, they, everyone have always been very welcome in the community. It's a community that is very open, right? So... To, to all kinds. Uh, so is there anything else? Uh, sometimes I feel like we're sharing a lo lot, but impacting a few people in our industry. Uh, uh, so there is a Kevin said that sometimes I feel like we are sharing a lot, but impacting a few people in our industry. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, like, I would not be disheartened by that because like having an impact doesn't mean like uh, it's very difficult to measure the impact that you have. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, the, the Pareto's law, the 80-20, this is something that I, I had to learn the hard way. I, I felt at some point I was much younger, far more idealistic and, and wanted to change the world of the kind of stuff. And you feel that everyone needs to change. Everyone needs to see the world from your perspective. But if you are able just to change yourself and a few people around you, it, it's, it's good enough. So, so there is a, a small core that probably will evolve the industry. You don't need the whole industry. We just need to share that message across a few people and be happy with it. So like, be happy to make a local impact. I think that's probably what I, I, I And, you know, these things, it's not like, and I think this is another aspect. Maybe we... Uh, speaking to that is that sometimes we think that the perspective we have, you know, or the community that we have, yeah, you think, you, you know, you enjoy it, you get a lot of value from it and everything. And you think, well, maybe why do other people not have it? And maybe it's the right thing for for everybody. It's not, it's not the right. Everyone has their own communities. Everyone, certain things resonate more. In fact, even the software craftsmanship community for London software craftsmanship community came out of the L London Java community. Yeah. And, and again, the reason it came out of the Java community, Alexandro, I mean, I'm telling your story, but you know, it's, uh, you went to said, can we run some sessions in the Java community about language agnostic and bringing people in and more about the, the mindset and so on. And he said, well, it doesn't fit with the Java thing, but we'll really help you unless, you know, kind of spin out your another community and so so that for the people that it is important they will join it and i think this is this is the whole part of it 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 doesn't have to it's not the only way that we are improving and raising the bar of the so software industry it's mm -hmm. one of the ways it doesn't neg negate all the other ways you know and the way that people are coming together and helping each other and the open source movement and all those kind of things they're all you know, in their own way, raising the bar. And this is just one other way. So it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be like, you know, everyone needs to be part of this because we like it so much and we think it's so much value. Yes, of course, for you and for people around you, but for other people, they have other outlets as well. And I think we, we should accept that. So 
There is a uh, Jose. Do you have anything that you'd like to add? Or... No. Um, I think again, it's it's a matter of uh, different perspectives. No, it's like it's what you're saying. I I think in our, uh, for instance, in in Spain. The software craftsmanship community came from the uh, from the agile community, right? So it's it's also uh, it was also kind of trying to complement something yeah. there, right? Um, and yeah, overall, it's 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 more of a if it fits, no, it's if it's the right tool or the right mindset, no, for what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve things. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and and do it, right? That's that's kind of the. And, and it's funny because, like, during in the software craftsmanship communities, the things that we discussed, uh, very often were, like, you could call it some engineering practices. Uh, you know, like we were talking about uh, how to measure certain things, how to automate certain things, how to. Uh, increase the performance of certain things, how to make something more stable. So we were not only like, I, I think that there is a misconception to think that uh, the only things that were discussed in a craftsmanship community were unit testing and TDD and, and clean code. Of course, we do a lot of katas because we love coding. Like we, we are developers. Like one of the key things that we do is to write code. And when we are among friends uh, in the craftsmanship community, so having writing code with each other is a lot of fun. But but I think that sometimes there is a, a vision that is a bit short-sighted to everything that happens within the software craftsmanship community, right? So as Mesh said, like uh, uh, the craftsmanship community attracted uh, developers and people related to software from all communities. Like yeah. was that mentioned the Java, the, the Java closure and and DevOps, everyone like from from cloud. So a lot of the the members of the craftsmanship community are also members of other communities, and all those topics. They they end up, yeah. The, the crossmanship becomes a very generic meeting in a way, which is always we have a lot of different topics, which yeah. is pretty cool. In fact, in fact, I remember you know both in the Socrates conferences the, in the UK um, and and uh, many that uh, that we attended and helped uh, run some even uh, in in the rest of Europe as well. The communities themselves. I would say that often we didn't talk about code. In fact, more often we didn't talk about code. Or it was, we talked about things like, you know, we used to run these cartels which related to extreme startup, remember, that was actually helping you understand how you evolve and the practices. And a lot of these were the kind of the continuous delivery practices that you would you would then uh, would use to help you with the, with these kind of things. We talk, you know, we talk about things like imposter syndrome. We talk about mentorship. We talk about how, uh, how to, you know, the values, how to be respectful to other developers, how to, how to run, uh, how to be a good member of a team. You know, how to have these different roles that we, that are, you know, inherently have been a bit more difficult. Things like, you know, UX and and product development and product management and so on. How do we integrate all that in more effective way? So the conversations were broad and all related to software, but not not everything is about code. 
You know, there, there's another aspect of that that you mentioned before, which which is the elitism, you know, and how it's been tagged as, you know, and, and I think a bit of that comes from, you know, well-crafted software, you know, mm -hmm. so depending on what criteria you're using, and then if, if it's not well-crafted, does it mean that it's poorly crafted, the... No, and the, there, there's this aspect of if you, if you're not, no, just to to kind of go to if, you, if you're not doing TDD and you're not doing this and you know that, then it's it's, you know, yeah. you're doing it wrong, right? Like that's a, and there's definitely people who are um, who who think like that, um, but but the thing is, it happens as well in any field, you know, exactly. like even if. In regular software engineering, no, uh, there are lots of people that that think like that as well. Exactly, but people get the wrong message, isn't it? I mean, and they, you know, with agile as well, right, and Scrum and so on. There's a lot of people, you know, they are they're doing agile, right? Uh, that says it all. But um, again, you know, just because the way that people apply it or so on, and certain groups even may may see it differently. That does not, you know, there, there is nuance, there's there's evolution. There are people see these things differently. They different aspects of it resonate. You know, again, going back to, you know, there are many kinds of engineering, there are many kinds of craftsmanship, there are many variations of the mindset as well. It's, you know, as with all of these things, when when it becomes popular, when a lot of people take it on and so on. You know, not all the messages are as intended, and I think this whole there you you are right. You know, there are people that would see, would have a kind of a bit of an elitist idea, like you know, I'm a cross person, like you know, I do write well crafted code. But then when you actually really speak to them, there's a lot of values that we hold cherish. You know, like pragmatism and professionalism and so on. They don't. It's it's, it's funny when uh, they said, no, I, I write really good software or whatever, right? And then they're not able to ship anything. They're not able to, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, eh, maybe you got it, <laughs> you got it exactly. wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, when like Agile's first days and so on, I, I remember going to a new team and someone saying to me, where did you learn your Scrum? <laughs> Who taught you? It's like... My scrum is better than your scrum. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. I was just like, uh, I was just like trying to send some messages on on LinkedIn because I know that there are people on LinkedIn now uh, interacting with us. Just uh, sending, I just sent them the link to join us on YouTube. It's a bit easier for us to keep track of the conversation and, and reply on a single channel. Uh, we cannot reply on LinkedIn through the software that we are using to record this live. Yeah, so that's why I'm asking people to join the, the YouTube live chat. Um, so what about the, although we already talked about that, but I, I remember uh, those other metaphors as well. I, I think that I got so bored of all those things, uh, you know, like in a way. I like the idea that the engineering is probably the one that I, I use the most besides craftsmanship, yeah? But there were many other ones because then I remember a point where everyone at some point decided to create their own metaphor. 
And then there was art and uh, gardening, even like, for example, some critics of uh, craftsmanship uh, start creating like they, they they went there criticized craftsmanship a lot wrote a completely stupid blog post misinterpreting everything we were doing and then gave metaphors like surgeon oh, so, <laughs> so I think that there are certain things like although I like that they're having different perspectives and metaphors I think that um, I think that was important for everyone to, to, to understand is that metaphors cannot be stretched too, stretched too far. Um, and so at some point they will break, including the software engineering, right? So although like, for example, when we see things as a mindset, as Mesh was saying, it, it's a bit different because now we are not trying to use a metaphor to talk about a process or what we want to do is just like a mindset that you take uh, for your life, for your career. Uh, a guiding ideology of exactly. how you deal with the context of, you know, building software, your profession, and so on and so forth, right? It's, it's kind of like a philosophy, you know? And some, you have some tenets, some principles, you know? And then you apply it. And some, people and, and some people decide yeah. to to use you know XP, and some people decide to use something else. You know, it's okay, yeah. and it uh, and uh, it itself evolves as well, right? It in itself evolves. Like it's not one thing. It's not. It's it's not like oh you know previously this is how someone said it like this. No, it actually opens a metaphor is a very fixed thing because you are actually taking something that already exists. You're taking as it is and seeing how it applies. There's no real, it allows you to see, it's a tool for thinking and seeing things, but it doesn't allow you to evolve that, evolve. The metaphor itself does not evolve, but a mindset can evolve. How you, your perspective can evolve. So when, when a metaphor fails, then you, you, you throw, well, you, you know, you discard the metaphor in that aspects because it's failing there. Whereas a mindset, it can evolve, it can go. So there, there are two separate things, you know, often, I think this is often another thing that people talk about, craftsmanship as a metaphor, right? And yes, there is value in seeing craft as a, as a metaphor. And then a lot of people see, when they then say craft, they talk about almost handicrafts, you know, uh, you know, making the violin or making the, the table and so on. And yes, those things can be, you know, the making of a violin or the making of a table and so on can be applied as metaphors onto software development. And, and you know, you can get a lot of mileage out of it and a lot of thinking and insights out of it. But the, that does not mean that it's only a metaphor. Software can be viewed in itself as a craft. And then it is a craft, just like other crafts, has its own principle, its own ways of working, borrows from certain aspects and disciplines from history, but also evolve them like all the other crafts have and is uh, has its own identity as a craft as well, if you choose to see it that way. You yeah. know, talking about the metaphor, there's another aspect that that also uh, is used to be an essential part, I would say, of, of the movement. The whole idea of, you know, the, the craft person... Um, that going from apprentice to journeyman to master, that that kind of thing, and the way to learn, you know, <clears throat> which I think was also trying to 
plug some holes that we have in education today and how we teach this stuff in, in universities and schools. And I think that um, especially now with so much demand and so many boot camps and different, you know, types of uh, educational institutions trying to, to churn out um, developers, no, uh, to, to support the demand, <clears throat> that has switched a bit. Right, where the focus instead of going into the theory and, and you know, the theory with uh, some application and so on has gone into how can I get this person uh, to perform in the in the context of an organization that is building software as fast as possible, right? So, to some extent, there were aspects of that that have been assimilated into how the industry has responded to uh, to dealing with that demand. Yeah, I'm not saying is is a, is the solution because I don't think so. Yeah, like the, the in fact they've accelerated that so much that then you miss out on some important aspects. No? So you get people who who maybe know the specific technology or no, but but they, they're lacking some uh, foundational concepts, right? That basically they struggle. They cannot build good software because they have not achieved that foundational knowledge, right? Which you got from going to university or from, you know, you know, Maybe you go from going to university, right? But uh, but I think that's that's also something that um, that the movement itself brought on, no, uh, to to some extent, and and tried to incorporate into how people learn to develop software by doing it, no, by by actually, you know, and and learning from other people, not just learning in a classroom setting. You know, someone gives a master class or whatever that pairing and, you know, uh, elbow to elbow kind of uh, thing, no? Mm -hmm. yeah. But there are, there are a few things that I find that is very important. Uh, the, a few years ago, I started talking more about that, but then COVID came in. Uh, and then, of course, like we, we reduced the number of uh, presentations and, and community events and stuff. So, but, but like one thing that I started uh, talking about which probably is not going to be very popular, even like from some comments that we have on the, the live chat right now. But I think that is very important for, for everyone in the software craftsmanship movement and hopefully outside to understand. Software craftsmanship is not extreme programming. And that distinction needs to be very clear to everyone, right? So the, the, there is, uh, for me, like the, we need to, to separate the two. And the reason I always say that, because the mindset, the software craftsmanship as a mindset is always trying to strive to do the best you can within the context you have, right? So, so I think that is, this is another thing that is important for everyone always to remember. Uh, you always need to take into account the context that you have, the constraints that you have, and try to do the best you can within the things that you can actually, uh, well, Within the things that you cannot change, right? So, so the things that you can change, you just go and change. But uh, so, the the reason I say that is, software craftsmanship as a mindset, we are always in the pursuit of trying to do things the best we can, and for that we cannot be religious about certain technologies or practices or methodologies. 
and, and even test-driven development. Uh, and I just need, I, I'm trying to be careful for you all not to misun, misunderstood, uh, misunderstand what I'm trying to say. Uh, this is not a criticism to certain uh, tech, uh, methodologies and practices that you like. For example, we, we are very, uh, we like the extreme programming practices, but I think that we should, the mindset should not make us to stop there or to be religious about them and thinking that that's the last thing. So, so this, is, this is it. We discovered everything. So now we have a set of practices and that is it. So in 20 years time, you're going to be coding exactly the same way. So that's against the, the mindset, the mindset of always doing things better. So trying to strive to, to discover new things, to experiment, to see if we can push the boundaries is part of the movement. So that's why we need to detach. Uh, the mindset remains. Practices. I always say that uh, good practices are only good until we find better ones to replace them. Right. So, and that is for me is the, the part of the mindset. So, and then there is another important uh, bit that you mentioned, Jose. The craftsmanship always tries to, at a given point in time, to say like, what are the the most good practices that we we all consider good practices that are worth sharing within the community and stuff. And, and so, certain practices they took a lot of. Uh, Attention, right? Test-driven development, pair programming, all the XP practices mainly, because that's where we were coming from as in terms of history. Uh, the, but many other things, domain-driven design and, and continuous integration and automation of pipelines, many other things, like they were also, for, they are also forming that foundation of what good software looks like. So the craftsmanship communities, for me, in my view, we should always be looking at like, what is the bare minimum we should know? as techniques and make sure that everyone understands those techniques and then we evolve and we keep pushing the boundary. But those practices are not the, the, the most, for example, that is the ones that we all need to master and that are the ones that we are pushing the boundaries, right? So, and that's for me is the mindset. Never be attached to anyone, not even test-driven development. We should, we should not, as a, cross, as a community, we should not consider anything untouchable or anything permanent. No technique. Uh, Marbesi asked that related question, right? Why do you think that craftsmanship is highly related to coding practices like TDD or clean code and not with other practices as you already mentioned? And I, as you said, you know, we need to, we do need to draw a line between what is mindset and, and of course, like things like testing development, they are XP practices and XP by the way, one thing I would like to say is that XP is very holistic. You know, we talk about TDD and, and, you know, uh, pair programming and so on. And then we think that's all XP. Actually, it has values, it has principles, and it's it's a very well thought out, uh, let's say, a uh, bunch of ideas that were applied and then kind of consolidated. And a lot of them are still very, very relevant. But, but it is XP and the TDD is XP and so on. So the question around why is craftsmanship highly related to coding practices. And I mean, I can attempt to, to describe it. I think even in our communities and so on, when we first, a lot of the, uh, even in software development, the majority of the people, the role that is the most numerous is the developer role, right? And often what happened is that the, the even the software craftsmanship community, the developer role was the heaviest role in there, right? And developers like to 
do certain things. And especially honing your skill aligns very well with software craftsmanship, right? Well, it is a part of the software craftsmanship philosophy. You know, you should always be working on honing your skills, your knowledge, and all those kind of things. So honing the skill part is then, you know, the, the ideas of katas, which is small exercises that you do over and over again in, you know, borrowed from obviously uh, martial arts, but uh, maybe other things, I wouldn't know. But, uh, you know, to kind of do over and over again to learn a particular skill, things like testing and development. So, so that kind of then moved into this thing, you know, honing a skill, honing the skill to code. We like to test drive. So using test-driven development to hone your skill to code and to design and so on. So that's why often you ended up doing a lot of sessions, a lot of uh, even repetitions because it is a skill, coding is a skill. And in a way, became a bit more prominent in communities and so on, that kind of session, that kind of practice became became a bit more prominent. But that doesn't mean, as you said, that doesn't mean test-driven development is software craftsmanship. It's it there is a path and it's part of honing the skill and so on and how it led to it. But there are many other aspects and even non-coding disciplines within the building of making of software can, are considered craftsmanship. Or you know, if you see take that craftsmanship mindset. You can apply that anywhere, and that's what we try to apply within our own company as well. Yeah, and there was no. So go on, Jose. You wanted to say something? No, I want, um, if I'm going to go in, maybe in a different direction now. So if you want to say something on matches, uh, I just wanted to complement that that uh, that idea because, like, I was recently in Milan and I was speaking to the the, the community there as well. And a few people were questioning me, asking me questions like, uh, if I think that, for example, mob programming is a better technique than pair programming, uh, or uh, if we should, uh, what kind of testing styles we should use, or and stuff like that. And so basically, they, they were asking me about a bunch of practices and my views on them. Yeah. And my question back to them was, well, my, my answer will vary according to the problem that you're trying to solve. What were you trying to do? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Well, what were you trying to do? Maybe that's not exactly. the right tool so, for so, it. So Maybe it is. Like, I cannot just say that mob programming is better than pair programming. If I don't know what you're trying to achieve with that, and this is exactly what I was trying to say about the difference between the mindset and the, a, a technical practice. Right, the technical practice is there to solve a few problems. Like you, you have a problem, so like maybe I should use those practices to solve that. The mindset is like, what kind of problems do I have, and what are the different ways that I can solve that? What would be what I think would be the best one? And this is aligned to what David Farley was talking about, what he calls it engineering in a way, right? So the the so so for me, the, this is why it's so important that we distinguish the mind the craftsmanship mindset from technical practices. Technical practices are tools. Right, so they are just tools that we know. There are ways of working that we learn, we master, so that we apply in the right uh, context. But like I personally, for example, I would use mob programming for very, very specific things, the same way that I use pairing. Uh, you know, like certain certain practices, I, I need to have a very specific reason to use them. Otherwise, I wouldn't. But that is for me the mindset with everything. Yeah. 
same with testing and development as well. Yeah, exactly. Right? Not everything needs to be test driven. Totally. Yeah. So, Zia, you said that one, you would. Yeah, uh, one, one thing that I was. Are you stuck with your thread? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's more like because the, the question was, you know, why is it some as why is it always then associated with writing code and so on and and, and I think <clears throat> there's an aspect to that which is you know the industry itself is very fragmented. Uh, I think part of that is you know economies of scales and you know the whole Taylorism and trying to you know, mass produce software and all that stuff where you have very specialized. Uh, roles, no, or in order to achieve that, you have very specialized. Roles. So that in itself starts creating uh, silos. Yeah, call it silos of knowledge, of responsibilities, or whatever, right? <clears throat> and precisely what craftsmanship is doing is it's trying to to glue all of that together, right? Like find that common denominator that people can. But the thing is. <clears throat> As you start splitting things up and, and creating that fragmentation, you're also frag fragmenting, I think, the identity or the, the things that people associate their identities with, right? I am a developer. I am, you know, a product owner. I am a product manager or a, a QA or whatever, right? <clears throat> and that fragmentation is really hard to uh, break at the identity level unless you have either a common goal or a common enemy. Yeah. So you, you need something that will bring that people's identity to, together, right? To and unite them and, and right? <clears throat> and that I think is uh, as as a movement in general, no, as a it's it's kind of missing at the moment. In my my opinion, eh? you're missing, missing like from the craftsmanship community, <clears throat> from 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 or like or things that involve other all those different roles. As let's say, as something that is there individually, independently of what identity you chose to uh, oh. to apply. You know what I mean? Like something that you can hang on to, right? And kind of use that to to bring everyone. Together, yeah. I, I, I think so. very, it's a very good point because ultimately, Sandro, this, I've had this conversation with you before. Like, for example, I have a problem with people calling themselves soft, software craftspeople and mean developer, right? To me, this that, that's exactly what, what I am speaking about because to me, software craftsman, uh, craftsperson, craftsmanship is around the whole aspect of making software. So anybody involved in the making of the software is part of the software craftsmanship and call, call themselves a software craftsperson, whether they call themselves a UX craftsperson or a, a, you know, but in a way it brings things, there is an opportunity there to bring things together, in my view, because you can have a UX craftsperson, you can have a, you know, a developer craftsperson, you can have a, a BA craftsperson or analyst craftsperson. So these things, I know like sometimes it's a bit awkward in the way that you say it, but the identity of a craftsperson can be shared across all the roles of a software development team. So, so here's the thing, right? So this is for me is a very complicated topic, right? Because I have conflicting opinions about that myself. Yeah. So one, that, one opinion that I have that is very strong 
uh, is internally what I mean, right? So within my within myself, like things that that are quite strong. Uh, if I'm referring to myself, I should call myself whatever I want. That is that is already a very strong thing that I have. I don't want anyone to say what I should or not call myself. Or yeah. right. So this is this is an important thing for me. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to also certain certain uh, groups. They are they have an association already, a historical association. And, and 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 you, for example, for example, I, I don't like to call myself an agilist. I don't know if we use, we use that term in Portuguese. I don't know if that translates to English. But in the, the agile community, like uh, I know that in, in the the Portuguese, the Brazilian community, for example, some people call themselves uh, agilist. Does it translate, Jose? I don't know exactly how do you. Uh, agilista. Yeah. Agilista. We, uh, I've I've heard the term. Yes. Yeah. So, so for example, there, there are uh, some people like yeah. So, so for example, I could potentially, given the background, because I like the the agile mindset, I could call myself that, for example. But I wouldn't. And and because I don't think that I should try to stretch that metaphor to be beyond than what it was originally created, because there is an group identity. And I believe that any individual can have, and we discussed that multiple times within Codurans, uh, that um, we, we all have multiple group identities, right? So we have an identity that is related to directly to a hobby or, a, or the core activity that we do in our profession, so being a developer or being a software cross-person. Right, so in my case, if I'm referring to myself, I would say I'm a software cross man, but like as a software cross person, like I said, like I'm saying that I'm I'm similar to certain types of people, but I'm also part of a specific project. I'm also London-based, so I'm also part of the London uh, uh, office. So there is a there is an identity where Jose is in the Barcelona office, or we are in the UK in Spain. So so we can at the same time belong to multiple group identities without uh, without conflict. So so then, because of that, I'm not sure if it would work just try to take something that was a developer's movement, that came from software developers, squarely, and try to stretch. It's not that no one is welcome, but it's, by, it's not what I'm saying, but, but it seems forced. But it uh, the way I see it is that it can evolve, right? Sure. It's you sure. know just like just like you know what gave the software developer the right to take on the craftsperson or the, their work as craft and not the the other professions, right? So they can they can also so the software craftsmanship, for example, the the idea of building software, right? It can evolve to take on other other roles. It's not sure. stretching it; it's just evolving it. Um, the the reason I I say this is because the mind it what we are talking about, and we said for quite a while, it's about the mindset. It's not yeah. it's not about the coding. It's about finding the right kind of trade offs, and that mindset then, as a developer, applies to a bunch of practices that we we treat as the minimum, and then that raises the bar. The same mindset as a framework can apply to a product manager's practices and so on and raise the bar along, along with them because the mindset is separated 
from, mm -hmm. from the actual practices and so on. So I feel that there is a big opportunity to come to use the same mindset and combine the different roles within the team and give them that one. Of course, I totally agree with you that there are many different identities that one can have, but an important identity is the grouping that is the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I understand. And it's just like, for example, um, it is like software engineering, right? So it is a label as well. The software developers is a label. And software craftsmanship is no different from when you say I'm a software developer, a software engineer, or, or, a, or a software craftsperson. Yeah. We, we, it was not the software craftsmanship movement that appropriated the title of the, the software word to refer to the developers. This was already coming in our industry. We already used software developers and software engineers. We use programmers as well, right? Or even developers without the software. Uh, preceding that. Uh, but that was have always been associated to people that actually wrote software. So so craftsmanship so, is just like coming. Oh, so yes, I'm not, can, I'm can not referring fun. to the yes. software yes. craftsperson, but I actually more about the craftsperson part. Yeah, the craftsperson part. So like so, so, before, for example, in our company, we used to have, uh, right, right now at the moment, we mention craftspeople and then we mean developers, right? But yes. actually, uh, we should mean developers if we say software craftspeople. Yeah. But there are UX craftspeople, there are analyst craftspeople, there are, you know, they can all embody that same mindset. Yeah. And that's, well, that's what, that's. Yeah, what. no, I agree because we would like the, the so the, there is two sides to this, right? So the sentiment, and this is like we are now lively exposing a lot of internal <laughs> discussions that we have about those topics that I find fascinating. But the, we want so we want the, the craftsmanship mindset, as Mesh is saying, to be across everything. Right? So, and this is this is why, for example, this is aligned to what I was saying before. To be to disassociate, at least not have such a strong association between craftsmanship and certain technical practices like test-driven development or XP. Right? So, because then you have a very a more pure mindset that is in terms of like. What is the best that I can do? How can I be a great professional? Right? What are the, 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 the best I can do within the context that I have? Right? So, so how can I create a community of professionals? How can I help to evolve our industry? How can I satisfy my cl clients with a productive partnership? Right? So all of those are all uh, things that are part of the, the software craftsmanship uh, movement. And that are ap applicable to... I would even stretch way beyond the software professionals, not only the 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 the, the non-developers, but I would go even beyond, right? So yeah. so so in this side, I agree that that the craftsmanship mindset should be applied. How make it natural? For example, if I was like a, if I had an identity like a product develop a product uh, owner or an agile delivery manager or a project product manager or any non-developer role or a business analyst or a UX, how natural that would sound to me to call myself a software cross-person, I'm not quite sure. We had some people, in, in fact, I've been speaking to mm -hmm. some product managers past few days and they love the idea of their discipline as a craft. UX is right for it. There's quite mm -hmm. a lot 
delivery manager maybe we may have to stretch a bit but again the, but sorry coming back to there's a really cool question from uh, i think is erin uh, sorry if i completely butchered your name um do you impose craftsmanship mindset on all of your team members how do you work with people that don't have that mindset now this is a really good question like first of all you don't impose a mindset on people like again this is not a cult right <laughs> and, <laughs> and and then the, but the, it's a really good question i'm sorry i'm being flippant but the the the, the question is really good. how do you work with people that don't have that mindset I, you know like another a way of asking so what we mean by mindset is like things like professionalism they are values certain kind of values right professionalism uh, respect so I will rephrase that question. How do you work with people that don't have respect? Or how do you work with people that are not professional? Right? Now, suddenly, the question becomes a, a little more easier to answer. Because how do you work with people that are not professional? Well, first of all, how do you deem them to be unprofessional? And then there is, a, there is the whole aspect of like how do you help them understand if if you if they really are and and the culture within the team and all those aspects so it's not that you are preaching a certain kind of mindset these are a basic values that you prescribe to as a team and they can be different but the, your values may be may have slightly different priority it doesn't mean that you're not part of the cross craftsmanship mindset or whatever and so that's that's my answer to that question is that you don't impose a mindset and and then what, there are a certain set of agreed values within your team, and when people exhibit behaviors that don't align with those values, then there might be many reasons. Might be education, might be perspective. Try to understand, respect, and help, and and see where they are coming from. And when someone truly is being difficult or just you know not helpful, then then they they don't belong there. There, there is a, a an element that first there is a recruitment process, right? So, so I was having this uh, exchange on LinkedIn uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, of course, that uh, we don't want to work with clones, right? So everyone is exactly the same. But we certainly want to work with like-minded people. So there is uh, a set of uh, basic principles, I'll call you almost like a, 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 a social foundation, right? So that, that needs you to exist uh, in order that we can have a healthy relationship at work, similar to, to society, right? So, um, the, the, so, so in order for us to have a good working relationship, we need to set some criteria of what we expect from people, the attitude that they have, the way that we communicate, and so on. So we, we try the best the best we can uh, to 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 use our selection process to try to to understand that. Of course, that because we are talking about human behavior, it's almost impossible to have a recruitment process that will filter out everyone. Right. So, but but we. We, we, at least the, the ones that really don't subscribe, for example, if someone really don't subscribe to the software craftsmanship mindset, uh, they don't value certain technical practices or, or ways of working, 
they probably will not even apply to a company like ours, right? They will look at some of the, the things that we talk about online or our website and say, look, this company is not for me because I don't like the kind of stuff. And that is the same for, for a company like ours. It, that would not work. And then, but then there are, but I'm talking about extremes. When in the day-to-day, not everyone is the same. People have different ideas. And one thing that we try to the best of our abilities to do is that, as Mesh said, you don't impose a mindset, but you need to be an example of it, right? So, so for example, if you want to talk about certain things, about professionalism or a mindset, a ways, a way that you see the world, you need to live by those things that you preach. So you need to start from you, like being, being an example. And then as more and more people have that example, it becomes a bit easier for a new person to to behave like the rest of the group. And when they don't, we have conversations about our expectations, right? So, and sometimes that goes well, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, my, my answer to that question was going uh, <laughs> to be a lot simpler. <laughs> so how do you work with people you don't? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That, <laughs> you know that I mean? summarizes like, what we were trying to explain, uh, like eating around the bushes, right? No, no, no but 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 it's it's more like because I I initially uh, took the question as is what do we do, right? Like what we do is we we work with people who we don't have to convince them that that's the way to work, right? Like the, the, or or those are the values that they know. These are people who are motivated to improve their. Their skill set, their craft, continue development as a profession. They're, they're good people. They 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 value the community aspect, like all of those things, are things that we look for in the people that we hire, right? That's that's part of our selection. In fact, I would say, I would go as far as saying that the practices they're important, but they're not the most important thing for for sure. The practices I can teach, <laughs> you know, what I mean, the other stuff. If there's misalignment there, we have a problem. Right and and not an easy to solve one, yeah. Um, so so that's on the internal uh, point of view. Like when you deal them with the rest, is the same. It's it's to some extent it is the same. You are going to be doing the most you can. No, when there is a conflict, to to bridge that gap and to help people, you know, understand and see points of view and all that. But that is part of being a good professional, yeah. But when those clash in values are are so big that there's no way you can fill the gap no matter how much professionalism you pour into it we just don't work with those companies because we know we're not going to be able to deliver the value that, that we want to deliver because of that clash so that is also uh, an aspect of of the thing right like you're not going around trying to convince everyone uh, no that, that that's the right way to do things no so before before Jose starts on a completely new uh, topic at this time, as as Emmanuel was saying, there are two two topics in there that I think that might deserve a much longer uh, episode. Uh, I one is from SP. I don't know what the the, the name uh, <laughs> says, but the uh, so so he mentions uh, he or she. I don't know. Uh, but if you get an opinion that someone does not belong to a team, how to state that? 
How to state that without damage him, yourself, team, without causing trouble to yourself, him, so different. And then there is a similar uh, a comment around the same lines. Again, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name properly, Erins. Uh, uh, you are from the, the Turkish craftsmanship, uh, Turkish Java community, if I'm not wrong. I think we met uh, before. Uh, I, I always try to propose this mindset for every team member, not for them. Uh, I mostly do this for myself, 80% developers that I work with, write code for machine and not for other developers. So there are there is an element on those two comments, if you like, that is when you are working with team members that may not fit that uh, foundational, uh, how can I say, social agreements or so, 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 so how, how to deal with that? Because like those things are difficult. Right, so if you are in a position of power, you might deal with that a bit easier. But if you are talking about a colleague, uh, this is much harder to, to deal, right? Or in environments that are more political uh, or has some implications. So, so this may be like a like to, to be fair to, to both of you. I'm not sure, given where we are with an hour and eight right now, uh, I'm not sure you can address in depth your your things but what i could propose is that this sounds a very good uh fireside chat for we us did we did have one on difficult conversations we did we did have one uh on difficult conversations but we can make this one a bit more specific about team dynamics yeah basically yeah. so your expectations and hiring and, and and dealing with those agreements like what kind of agreements maybe we could have as a team and what do we do when when people are not complying to those agreements, or even how to reach those agreements? Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. So uh, we will need to wrap up. I think we are way past the time. So, uh, Mash, Jose, any final thoughts on this topic? I can go with mine. Uh, you know, like the. The title is Software Engineering and Craftsmanship and What the Fuss. And all those people that try to create these kind of dichotomies, it's engineering, it's craftsmanship, it's gardening, it's, you know, whatever else, you know, all I have to say to you is, is live and let live, man. <laughs> you know, it's not that important. <laughs> Just be be a good professional, try to do the job well, learn from everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, it's not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's a, again. It's it's a it's a bit of a philosophy, you know. Uh, so uh, you decide which parts you want to take from that, and I think if it makes you know your life better, uh, that's that's great. If it doesn't, then you don't have to subscribe to it. So that's the thing. But try to understand the whole thing, no? <laughs> before you make any, uh, you know, evaluations. Let's say, you know, because uh, a lot of the times it people tend to to jump the gun on that, right, and just judge without really understanding what they're judging. That's all. Yeah, and, and from my side, it's, it's very similar. Like, try to avoid those false dichotomies quite often. Like, uh, try to get to the bottom of, like, if you are caught in the middle of a discussion like that, 
uh, a good uh, first step is to ask the person to define those terms. That's normally what I, what I like doing. So every time someone is trying to propose a dichotomy, the first thing is, and if I see that is a false dichotomy, uh, I will ask for a definition. Like, how do you define this? Because maybe sometimes those, those discussions, they go so crazy just because people have a different definition of one of those terms. But as soon as you ask them to define, you start leveling the, the, the it's easier to get to reach a, a common understanding, a common ground, because now you are forgetting about the terminology, but focusing more on what they are trying to say. Uh, but 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 yeah, like, like mentioned, as I said, like uh, you know, like most of the times, th those discussions are not important. You just need to. I think that the most sensible people, when they sit down together and we ask them, okay, but what do you mean by this, and what would you expect? How would you expect people to behave? Or you will see that most people. There's always the, the exceptional cases in, the, in the, 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 the different extremes, but most people would normally reach an agreement quite easily. It's just the terminology that they might have different views of what they mean. Okay, well, I would like to uh, thank everyone. Uh, it was quite cool to see how many uh, many people live uh, contributing on the on the chat. So if you're new, like don't don't forget to subscribe hit the like button. It helps to promote those videos to more and more people as well. It, it, it's quite cool for us as well to see more and more people engaging with us and, and sending uh, your comments. Uh, so I appreciate all of you sh spending the time and sharing your experiences and questions. I hope to see you again uh, on Tuesday at the same time. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.